Welcome back to another relaunch of Market Overdrive 2018. We're super excited to come back on the air and share with you guys information that's going to elevate your real estate IQ. With me, my co-host, founder of iLoan, 20-year-plus veteran in the real estate industry with lending, Mr. Nick Mametti. How you doing? It's been a long time since we've been on the show. Did you miss us? I did not. Look at that. Isn't that nice? <laughs> well, I guess that's all said and done with. Um... How you been, Miss Founder of? Well, you haven't founded Coa Banker. You're just one of the top producers of Coa Banker. So we're gonna let you let you roll with that one, Miss well, Carlamina of Coa Banker. <laughs> well, how many years has it been now? Since what? Since when? Since when did you start there? It's been a while. I'm a 14 year veteran, I think. 14, 14 years 12. of Coa Banker, three years of a big pain in my neck, but she's really good at what she does. So we'll let her slide with that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, yeah, let's move on. Let's to get the to the people, people that are important here. We just kind of, you know, direct traffic. We bring in real professionals to actually tell us what's going on. So I'm going to start with our um, main guest today. I guess not a guest. He's actually a host. I just feel like you're still a guest. Why is that? Well, you didn't have a key card to come up today. I didn't. They but were you are. To let you me are out. a legit. You, you are a legit <laughs> bona fide host. A big celebrity around town, Mr. Mo Dodka, president, principal, main dude in charge at the Dodka Law Group. That's right. The owner's last name. Fancy word. Yeah, that's a giveaway. Also, the owner, founder, and big cheese at Main Street Real Main Street. <clears throat> excuse me, Main Street Real Estate Group. And last but not least, you are freshly the newly appointed president, president, not vice president, not secretary, not treasurer, the president Yay! of YPN, which is a pretty big deal here in Chicago. So congratulations on that. Sorry Thank I missed you, that event, but that's a, that's a pretty good pretty We had cool a lot achievement. of fun. Grocco and I took a photo of each other. That, you guys uh, looked amazing. Got a lot of hits on <laughs> you your <guys> Facebook. <laughs> hashtag twinning. <laughs> it went viral. Hashtag twinning. He was making fun of how short we are, but he's an inch taller than us. I, <laughs> we will do a standoff after this, and you're going to regret that. It was the muscle. All the girls love the muscles. I love that picture, by the way. It was hot. Yeah, you guys were flexing both your stomachs and your, your arms. You guys did a hell of a job. I was sucking it in the whole time. <laughs> oh, okay. We look good, though. We look you look good. good. Who's going to introduce this other guy in this? Uh, I'm going to introduce Mr. Graco Funes, also with iLoan. Uh, one of the things that sets Graco apart, and the reason why it's always great to have him on our studio in our studio is the fact that he is awesome at getting back to clients, um, very well connected. And if you're looking to buy, you know, a property, Mr. Graco Funes happens to have some really cool pocket listings. So hit him up if you're a realtor or a buyer. Yeah, please hit me up. I'm happy to be back. This is the start of our new year, Market Overdrive. Thanks for all of our listeners and followers. We're going to elevate your real estate IQ here in 2018 and give you some insight to the market and how to make you a better consumer out there. So I'm glad to be here with you guys. Let's rock and roll. Let's get this one going. Love it. So let's move on with our format. So gentlemen, this is how it's going to roll this time. It's going to be a roundtable setup. So each one of you is going to have five minutes to talk about 2018 housing outlook. We have five key components that people have been asking about. What's going on with um, property taxes, inventory, rates, pricing, and Please, 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 please explain to our consumers who is buying real estate today. Let us know a little bit about the market. Who are these, you know, who is this demographic? So we're going to start with whomever wants to start, but I think we should definitely roll with the... um Ladies first. Graco, go ahead. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. What's the question? What is the trend with respect to who's buying today? Can you tell us a little bit about the demographics? Well, everybody should be buying. I mean, this is a market right now where... You know, there is a scarce in inventory, but the idea is that you want to buy at today's prices because prices are going to continue to go up. As time passes, we're looking at increases anywhere from between 3 and 5%, so it's going to make it a little bit more difficult to afford home down the road the longer you wait. So 
if you're out there in the trench, I'm sorry, if you're out there on the fence and you haven't decided, 2018 is the year. I actually have a little segment coming up later in the show as to why it's important to buy in 2018. The most important five bullet points as to why 2018 is the year to purchase. So, so Mo, what's your take on the demographics of the actual consumer? What, are you, what, do you, what kind of insight can you give our listeners about the millennials, the baby boomers, the Gen Z? I think for the most part, everybody is starting to buy. I think millennials obviously are getting to a point where their finances are in order and they can start buying. So you're hearing a lot of millennials turn into buyers. But listen, rental prices are getting outrageous. So you have two choices or you have three. You can either live at home with your family, you can rent or you can own. Living at home with your family gets really, really old really fast. Renting doesn't make any financial sense anymore. So most people are starting to buy now. And with low down payment options, most people can't afford to buy now. I have a a, a statement here that we got from one of our articles. It says high rents and student debt uh, loads have made it difficult for young households to save up for down payment. Even if they can afford the monthly mortgage, it's it's just really difficult for them to be able to save the down payment because of this expense. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's completely incorrect because... With down payment resources being as low as 5% conventional, even like, you know, 3% conventional, but historically 5% makes sense for conventional, 35 for FHA, we can get credits back at closing. By the time I get somebody into their home, they've paid less money for their down payment than they've done for their security deposit, first month's rent, and second month's rent. So most people can have less money out of pocket spent on buying a house than they will actually getting into a rental. So... I think that article might be wrong. I think you can put the money together and be a home purchaser now if um, if you're actually being a renter as well. So what do you say to the fact that you know prices are going up because of the lack of inventory and then we just had this little increase in interest rates? This may drive a lot of people off the market. What would you advise that people do now? I think... Property values, like Rocco said, they're going to keep going up. So whether you're buying this year or next year, historically, they go up 3 to 4% every year. Um, even if, if you look at like a 20-year span, it's 3 to 4% every single year. I think they're going to keep going up. So if you're buying next year, you're buying for more money. And listen, rates have gone up a little bit, but guess what? Rates are probably going to come down. I'm going to talk to our you know our lenders here. He's, he's giving me a look. But eventually, in your lifetime of ownership, they may, and then you can refinance. I'll tell you what is going up. Rental rates are still going up. So as much as interest rates are going up, so are rental rates. And that's the big one. I think that, you know, it's ironic that we're actually doing a show today because the last week for mortgage rates has been have been really trying. It's it's actually if you're in our situation, um, let's just make it clear, you said it right. The interest rates are really good. They're they're I don't want to say record lows, but they're hovering right around record lows. Typically record lows are in the threes. We're in the low fours. Interest rates are great. Let's get that out of the way. And I think that interest rates will still be great in 2018, depending on what you consider to be great. However, they're going to go up. And the last week has been pretty rough. Most loan officers that have been quoting clients literally a week ago or at the end of last year um, going into 2018, those clients are calling back now just getting a temperature on rates. They've gone up pretty drastically if you want to, you know, in some cases a half a point on some certain products. So that's a big move over the course of the last week or two. Um, Definitely enough of a move that if you think waiting is a good idea, it's just going to cost you a little bit more money on a monthly payment. So rates are forecasted to go up overall. So overall, 2018, you're expecting the rates to go up? Or are we seeing the high? Or I don't think, we, you know, I think they're going to go up. Mm-hmm. I, I would, from a conservative standpoint, I would bet that they're going up. I wouldn't take my risk saying I'll buy when they hit threes because you might never see that again. 
and you're just going to let this keep getting higher and higher as you go. Um, so if you're if you're going to set an you know an unrealistic um, benchmark, saying once they go back into the high threes, that's when I'm going to put a contract on on a house. You might never see it, mm-hmm. and then things right. just kind of slip away into the abyss where you're never going to get what you really wanted. So Nick, you said that your clients are calling you just to get temp- just to kind of know what's going on with the rates. Greco, with respect to locking a rate, what do you advise people, especially if they're locked into a rate, when are they able to lock it, and how does that all work? Traditionally, I like to lock a loan uh, early on when we have a solid approval from the early stage. Um, you can lock a rate at any moment. Keep that in mind. So right. it's not like you have to wait you know, at, at a further date. But we want to make sure that we have a legit, clean file that is going to move forward. Um, but ultimately... I don't play the waiting game when it comes to interest rates. I make sure that the client is informed on all options on how they can lock. Typically, a consumer has three to four options when it comes to locking an interest rate, whether it be an interest rate that has zero cost on the financing side or whether it be a discount buy-down where a consumer does have the option to buy an interest rate at at a much lower uh, product. But the idea of waiting never wait because you're going to lose out on on the opportunity of locking in a good interest rate for floating out on a difference of an eighth which we're talking about anywhere between 38 to maybe $50 on a monthly basis depending on your loan amount so it's not worth rolling the dice to see where interest rates are going to float out what are the additional fees associated with that just real quick in my 23 years I'm I'm known as a floating loan officer I advise floating more than anything else because I like to typically watch the bond market and see where we're going and if I feel that the direction is good where rates can slightly improve between now and the time that you close I, w- I will suggest it you know meaning so if, let's say for example the current market 30-year fix might be at four percent this day and I think that they're going to improve over the next 30 days I'll, I'll advise a client to float and I'll do it you know with confidence also warning them that anything can still happen um, and then maybe we grab a 3.8 or a 3.7 along the way. However, as we sit today, and, and we're talking today about the outlook of 2018, I'm not advising clients to float this at this particular moment. So that should tell you something. If I'm a known 23-year floater um, on, on rates, it's probably not a great idea that I'm telling you that you should be locking um, if you're probably checking rates right now. So I love that you call yourself a floater, but somebody who may be a little bit more conservative and wants to know exactly what they're getting, they may want to just lock a rate. Um, what happens if they don't close in a timely manner and they've locked that rate? What are the fees associated with an extension, Graco? Million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> there are fees associ- associated when a rate lock does expire. I mean, <clears throat> it depends how long you have to extend that lock. You know, it could be minimal. It could be a, a couple hundred bucks. It could be a few thousand dollars depending on the loan size, but... Uh, there are options, so don't freak out if, you know, for some reason, let's say you're buying new construction and the builder's taking a bit longer and that rate does expire, you can always extend that rate, but it's not going to break the bank. So just keep in mind, you can always extend that rate. Yeah, I think we're more about p- pinching pennies. Where you should be freaking out is what we said in the beginning of the show. You should be freaking about freaking out about the appreciation levels that are going on over the last several years and how these properties keep getting more expensive. So that's where the real loss is. It's not in the $40 difference in interest rate. Yeah, and it's, it's in the 7% inflation of the property over year over year. Well, just, just market dynamics, right? We're just talking about tight inventories. There's no inventory. And of course, even the slightest of increases in rates is what make, it's making all of us be fearful and saying, is it the right time to buy? And a lot of people are thinking, is it even worth buying? Are you think, what do you think, Mo? Is the market shifting to a more of a rental 
society versus an ownership society? Hell no, 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 no. And listen, you've been doing this 23 years. You've been a floater for 23 years. <laughs> so in those 23 <laughs> years. away. <laughs> I floated Jesus's loan when he refinanced, so, just so you know. Historically, the rates are low. People have very short-term memory spans. If you go back into the 2000s and the 90s, these rates were ridiculous. This is historically... 6.875 like in 2006, and, and they then, call that the boom. Right. Yeah. But so, now it's not just the interest rate, Mo, excuse me for interrupting yeah. you. It's also the lack of inventory, right? Sure, yeah. There is There's higher demand. There's not a lot of supply, so obviously prices go up. I've put in three offers in the last two weeks. All but one have had a multiple offer situation on my listings that I've put up they're all getting to the point where we're going to have multiple offers by this weekend so I listed a home last year at the same price I listed on Tuesday last year we did not get enough interest so we rented it this week I listed it for the same exact price and I'll have an offer by Saturday so there is a lot of people out there searching and they just don't have the inventory so like you said what's going to end up happening is normal supply and demand those prices are going to keep going up it's just a normal supply and demand chart yeah and we have people that watch our show from all over the country not just I mean we are here in Chicago that's where WGN is founded essentially but it's you know, our program reaches from the east to the west, and the reality is the inventory crisis is all over America. It's not just here. So if you're listening and you're in New York, I think you know better than anybody else that you have an inventory problem up there, especially in certain parts of New York. California, big in, uh, inventory problem. Certain parts of Florida, big inventory problem. So, I mean, this this is happening to everybody. Boston had a... Uh, two years ago, had a uh, open house that they had to call the fire department and police station because the line was two and a half blocks down the street to see one open house. They underpriced that thing. <laughs> they I mean, need. they must have been giving it away. With, and like, it, that and was I think underpriced. it's important that we do note that, and that's why you're watching Market Overdrive, because every week we're bringing you information where we have top experts who are in the industry, in the trenches, and understand what is going on, and we're going to give you the secrets of how to transact in this market. Um, one of the things that you mentioned, Mo, is the fact that multiple bidding is real, right? And we're looking at the spring market. Everybody's saying, well, I typically say fourth quarter is always going to be a little quiet, right? Seasonal, holidays. But as soon as February hits, everybody shopping. So don't get too comfortable that you're the only buyer. There's no such thing as a shiny penny right now. Every property is going to meet you with multiple offers. So you need to learn how to negotiate those and align yourself with an expert that does know how to negotiate multiple bids. Um, Mo, I know that you work with a lot of investors and going back to the fact that people may say, oh, we're not buying right now. But a lot of people are buying multi-unit properties and becoming landlords. What is your take on that investment option? I think it's smart. You know, it's one of those things where, especially if you are doing it FHA and you can buy a building with three and a half percent down, live in one of the units and rent out the other, that's an incredible opportunity to become a real estate investor without putting 25% down or high down payment options. And especially if you're a millennial, let's talk about age. You're somebody who's young, you're 30 years old, you buy a investment building now with three and a half percent down, eventually you're gonna move out. In 30 years, that thing's paid itself off. So if you've got yourself an incredible opportunity to um, help your retirement plan by buying a home that you're living in right now. So I love it. I think um, keep buying, and listen, Super Bowl Sunday, historically, is the start of the spring market. It doesn't feel like spring out here. It's still cold. I froze running over here today, yeah, but it's, cold. it's real cold. But it's when it begins. We begin the market, the, the spring market on Monday. No, <laughs> that thing that always noise. throws me off. There's that <laughs> noise. Like I'm going racing. We haven't heard in a long time. It's time for the nitro question, which is brought to you. 
by our special sponsor today, Stuart Title. Um, Mo, you're going to get the nitro question. Ooh. You said something about buying a home for you and your family to live in. However, there's also a very big part of the real estate market are people that make investments. So the nitro question is, what is the number one thing most agents forget to do when listing multiple multifamily properties. Oh, I got it. It's a pet peeve of You mine. don't have to answer, I'm not now. answer now, but <laughs> park that thing. Agents, you frustrate but me. But we are the show is for the most part geared towards owner occupied, families moving in, buying their, you know, maybe in some cases their first home. But investments, and some people want to buy their first home as a multi-unit. So we'll come back to you on that question, which again was brought to you by Stuart Title. The Nitro question was what's the number one thing agents forget to do when listing multi-properties? I don't want everybody to get overzealous, especially if you're list- you're selling this year and you're thinking, well, my property's going to fly off the market because there is no inventory. You still have to be very strategic about marketing and positioning with your property. I want us to go back and touch a little bit about the demographics. Again, you said that millennials are, n- are buying because, you know, lifestyles are changing, right? They're getting married. They're making more money. Of course, it's really hard for you guys to go ahead and save up for an investment. But what can you say to the baby boomer market? I think they're still buying too. I think they're buying and selling. And a lot of baby boomers right now are probably getting into um, that age where they might be empty nesters or they've been empty nesters for a little bit. They're selling a house. They're moving and you know, maybe they're buying a condo. I know my parents did it. you know, So they've moved. And I think we're getting into that market. And I'm seeing it a lot in the North Shore right now. So you're getting a lot of turnover in the North Shore where it's properties that um, people have owned for almost a generation now. They're selling it. And then young millennials who are getting to the point where their professions are taken off, they're coming in and they're buying those homes now, renovating them and making them their own. I'm of an age group where a lot of my millennial friends, I mean, I'm at kind of almost not a millennial, but most of the millennial clients I have that have kids, they're going and they're buying those baby boomers homes that are up in the suburbs. It's the only people that can actually fill the order yeah. for the millennials is the baby boomers. Right. They literally have to those are the two biggest demographics. Everybody in the middle can't really su- supply. Right. So. right. so if you're selling a property, I want you to understand that if it's a two-flat or a single family, you're going to be looking or targeting a, a millennial client um, because that's the, the, the new generation that's going to be buying that product. But then if you're a baby boomer, make sure that you understand how to target this consumer base if you're a condo owner, especially a high-rise. Um, they're going to want – they're okay with high assessments as long as everything is included. Uh, lots of amenities. Walk score has to be high. And when I say walk, walk score, I mean cl- uh, close proximity to restaurants, close proximity to grocery stores, um, of course, a gym, and walk out to you know a workout area or yoga studio. Everything has be to be really close. A lot of people worry that millennials are fl- are moving to you know warmer weather states like Florida, but do understand that a lot of our baby boomers are staying put because they want to be closer to family. So that's a trend a lot of people are ignoring. Um, make sure that you do understand that when you're selling and targeting a baby boomer audience, that you have to sell the lifestyle, not necessarily um, you know the the property itself, but and of course, no one wants to do any work into properties these days. What are you seeing out there? Is that true for baby boomers and millennials as well, Mo? Yeah, I mean, especially in a home. When you want to get a home that's been a generation-owned home that might be dated up to you know the level of what a millennial wants, it's a lot of money to expend. It's a lot of time. So what's having to happen is they're having to realize that, listen, I'm not going to get top dollar for a home that needs renovations like that. I'm going to have to discount it a bit because you have a lot of builders building these homes now that look great. They got the white kitchens. They got the dark floors and the um, quartz countertops. So if you don't have that, there's going to have to be a discount in play. And um, you know, millennials are looking for the new cleaned up look. 
I want to fall off the tracks just a little bit because we've we've had so many shows in the past where we talk about the mentality of a millennial buyer, and they typically it seems like everybody wants to just walk in and have everything things so turnkey. Um, we we forget oftentimes about what you just said the discounts of buying a home maybe that is b- belong to a baby boomer and it's a little outdated they haven't touched a kitchen since they moved in in 1970 or whatever. But the cool part about it is being lost. You can go in there and actually make this thing exactly the way you want it. Yeah. Take the discount, do the work. I mean, I'm I'm not a millennial, I guess. I don't know, but you are you are I don't to think so. us. You, you, you look like a I'm totally he's great with that. A, I walk in, I walk well, in, and I, I see love the that kitchen you're destroyed. About though, I Nick, see the kitchen destroyed, can... and I'm trying to make a great bid on the property. I'm like, you're outdated. Your bathrooms are horrible. Your kitchen sucks. And like, I'll I'll do everything to bring the price down. And here I come. But that's with because my you're kitchen. not a millennial buyer. I get but it. I don't see why I they renovated. don't do this. This is also being and a I, smart buyer, right? So then that takes us to our next topic, which is pricing. Right? How do we identify pricing? We understand again, low inventory rates are going up, and you know, this is going, everything's going up pretty much. So how do we strategically price a property in today's market, Mo? You do a CMA. I, I say this to everybody. You have to be very realistic. So when your agent comes in, a good agent is going to do a market analysis. They're going to take a look at what's sold in the area and you have to be realistic. So if your home is not as nice as the home that sold a block away that was gut renovated, you're not getting that gut renovated dollar. So listen to your realtor. If they do a, a CMA, a market analysis, listen to that. So don't list your home without doing one. Don't listen to Zillow's estimates. They're garbage. Let your realtor do a real market analysis and list close to what you're hoping to get. You know, in 2009 or 10 or 11, you would list for way above thinking that somebody's going to come down and offer way below. A smart buyer's agent is doing a CMA as well before they make their offer. So as long as you got a smart realtor, I think you're going to price okay. If you don't have a smart realtor, fire them, hire Carla, and then you got a smart realtor. (laughs) (laughs) And I agree. I want to add to that too, that not just looking at the market and what has sold, but also look at the absorption rate of that area. Just make sure that you understand how long is it going to take that market to absorb your your inventory because that's going to tell you how long you're going to be in the market. If you've surpassed that time frame that you know you overpriced your property. One of the other things that you mentioned is the list price, sales price ratio. You have to understand that because it's that, that changes uh, dynamics from one neighborhood to the other. So I know a lot of people are going to say, well, why don't we list it at 3% or 6% higher than you know what I'm hoping to get? You're leaving money on the table by getting that strategy because, again, there is no inventory. So you're going to get buyers and they're going to bid up and they're going to pay what the property is worth. And there's never any uh, leaving of money if you're strategic about the way you price your property. Yeah. I, you know, you know, another trick I use, remember people search in round numbers. So if you're going to get close to like 500,000, don't list at 509 because nobody stops their search at 509. They stop at 500. So what you're doing by going to 509 is you're missing all those people that stopped their search at 500. So if you're expecting to get 475, don't try to be cutesy and go to 509,995. This is not a pair of shoes. Go to 500 because some people are stopping their search at 500. 499,999. That happens it cheaper all the time. Too. It, it, it sounds cheaper, but you now just missed everybody that started mm-hmm. at 500. Well, if you're at 509, you get them. But if you're at 499, you just miss the 500 starters and the 500 enders. And if you're at 509, you just miss that big group of people that stop their search at 500. Mm. They're not seeing your property. And mm. I love that you're giving away all those secrets. And there's so much information that we can give you, but it's hard to go ahead and summarize that in a one-hour show. I want you to know that you can always email us at info at marketoverdrive.com. And you can reach myself, Mo, Grocco, or Nick if you have further questions. Mm. Um, going back to that message that you were giving earlier, Nick, about like you know what you would do if you 
you buy a property that needs work, you'd be more than happy to fix it. I think yeah. that speaks to a whole different consumer base, right? A client that's looking to, I'm working with a buyer right now who's looking at the properties and seeing a single family home that could potentially sell for $500,000 after repair value for a specific area that they're priced out of. Uh, but we're looking at products that may be in the 250 you know. Uh, but if you do some sweat equity, it, I mean, you know, some add some value to it by fixing so, some things, you may be able to own a property and be at a 335 price point versus be paying a 500000 premium for that area that you, li- you want to live in. Look, people need to remember at times that houses are not like cars. Okay, you buy a car and let's say it was a $50,000 car, you can go ahead and put a bunch of wheels and sound systems and all these little trinkets and customize. Yeah, you can customize your car all you want. It's not going to bring the value of the car up. Okay, and in fact, the car will go down in value. However, you do expect to buy a car $50,000, turn key, drive off the lot and enjoy it, right? Houses are a little different. You could actually buy a house that would normally be worth whatever, $500,000, but now you're picking it up for four hundred because it needs a lot of work. But maybe that work only cost you sixty. But now this house is done so nice that it's not necessarily worth five hundred anymore. It's worth five twenty, five thirty. See the difference in the like the dynamics here? How you could actually if you have a good plan and a good crew or just know some good, you know, even friends and family that know how to do this relatively cheap and you're and you're doing a good job of picking out the essentials where the house is still marketable. I mean you're not putting a lime green tile all over the place, but you do a good job. You can actually see the house go above and beyond the projected value for a little bit more because it might be the best house in the neighborhood now. Now don't go putting gold plated everything because that's going to be... You're looking at the person while you're, while you're saying now that. Now you're back to the car problem. <laughs> you look at himself, right? But you know, the reality is, is that it's, it's, it's something where if you put a little TLC in there, not only will you get, will, would you get the market value, but you'll get it your way, and you might go above the market value a little bit. I did it in my house. So I bought a house that was built in 1979, and I've just gut renovated it. But I've made it my own. I plan on staying there forever. I'm never going to move again unless I win the lottery. (laughs) If I win the lottery, I'll move. Otherwise, I'm stuck. I'm never moving again. But I did all the work, and there's going to be a future value add. And I think Nick hit something on the head. And I'm a car guy, and it kind of resonated. I never heard it that way. That's why I said that. When you buy a car and you do all the work, you enjoy it, but the value goes down. Yep. Now you're buying a house, you're doing the work, the value goes up, and guess what? You're enjoying it for five, seven, ten years, twenty years, maybe a lifetime. So, and not that, worrying about when something's going to really break, like on your car, right? And nobody owns a car for five, seven, ten years. I, I don't. Have you met Carla? <laughs> <laughs> She's got like a 1987 <laughs> Nissan roller skate. Side note. We got to get her a in your frugal, car. She's a frugal, frugal person, which makes her a good realtor, I guess, because she's frugal. She's I'm reinvesting for, in her business. I'm frugal. reinvesting, whatever. When we so, get off there, I'm just going to call you cheap. I love the fact that you talked about... <laughs> Sorry. So it, there, is a, there is a difference between over-improving a property, but remember, you can never over-improve a rental property, right? You're going to live in it. You're never going to... Um, built equity in it. In a home, you're able to use it for the purpose of you know being your home, um, but you can build up equity. Graco, what are some of the uh, things that a family can do to a property that it's not going to be considered over-improving? I mean, you've done renovations before and you flip properties. You're a 10-year investor. What do you advise that people do that are just small little changes that are going to add value to the property but are not going to be considered as over-improvements? The most important are going to be the kitchen and the bathrooms. Those are the easiest to do, right? Most important. Those are the most important. Uh, Paint's always going to help. That's very inexpensive, so make sure you do that. But to touch on what Mo said, the average consumer, the average home buyer doesn't understand what it is to take the ugly duckling 
and put some sweat equity into it. We do because we're professionals in the industry. We live this. We breathe this every day. We understand what it takes to buy something at a discount, put a little money into it, and then reap the benefits later. The problem is that the average consumer doesn't. So it's us professionals. We have to educate these consumers a bit more uh, to get them to understand why it's, it's, a, it's actually more important to purchase something a lot cheaper than you know, spending that uh, heavy check on that $500,000 home. And I think this falls back on you guys as agents. You know, you guys have to educate consumers more on this because you're leaving you're leaving a lot of opportunity on the table by not going after the ugly duckling home. So I, to speak. I, I think that's a great something great to bring up because I'm reading here, according to Zillow, housing inventory declined 10.5 percent in the in the last 12 months ending in November. So that's important, right? Uh, Mo, where do you, what happens when you're shopping with a client and you cannot find any inventory? What do you advise? What are some of the secrets that of the trade or how you run your business as to how do you find a product for your clients? It depends. So if they have a lease expiring and we can't find anything, we got to figure out how to change our uh, demands a little bit. Or actually, guys, in the city of Chicago, if you re-sign your lease, your landlord cannot unreasonably withhold you from subleasing. So I tell people, if you don't find anything and you don't want to be homeless, re-sign that lease and then find a subtenant. But what I'll do typically is I'll start reaching out to agents I know. Hey, listen, do you have anything coming up that's like this? Um, I know Carla's a part of it. I'm a part of it. The top agent network, there's a lot of private listing networks. So you got to start shaking the tree, seeing if you can figure something out for your client. So I'll shake the tree a bit, but I tell people don't rush into buying a house either. Be patient. If you have the time frame, be patient. We'll find you the right home. The inventory is low, but Homes are out there. They're hitting the market. And I'm telling people, if you're sitting out there right now and you can't find the home for yourself, Monday will start a very heavy listing time going forward into spring because that spring market's going to start come Monday. And I feel like some sellers are going to start hitting the market because property values have gone up. So those people who have a ton of equity, they're like, shoot, let's cash in now. Mm-hmm. It might be a good time to cash in. So I think we're going to get a little more inventory if this you're, spring. If you're a seller and you've been on the fence and you've been you know, brushing off the idea of listing it, I think at some point you're still doing a little bit of a you know, temperature check on the market. And if you're watching the news over the last couple weeks, you might want to look at the fact that rates are going up mm-hmm. and that might be scary for you as a seller. You might want to still be able to grab a bigger buyer pool while it's still available. Because I can honestly tell you that if rates did jump up to six, ouch, that's going to depress the value a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's people just can't afford it. Right. You know, there's so, going to be some affordability issues in the, especially in that three to four hundred thousand dollar range where like every penny counts. Yeah, and that takes us back to pricing, right? We have to understand, and of course, like who is the target audience, who is buying properties, and that's why we we chose these key topics because that's how it is going to. This is how your market is going to be affected, right? Pricing, who is the market, who's buying. When you're looking at pricing, you just touch on something that's very important. If you're looking um, in that category of anything under three hundred thousand, well, that's your millennial buyer. If you're going to be selling something above that price point, anything four hundred. It's going to be sometimes your baby boomers, right? So they're going to transact a little bit different. So you have to understand the difference between these demographics. What we're doing here is with edu- educating you through the process to, so that you're more knowledgeable when you either decide to buy. And, of course, when you're a buyer, you understand what these um, sellers are thinking when they're pricing their property and how to negotiate it. Uh, Mo, I love the fact that you said that you mentioned uh, Top Agent Network, and I think that it's imperative, right? Um, because there are a lot of rookie agents that are hitting the market. Um, it's imperative that people themselves with 10-year realtors. They have a network because we're able to collaborate. I mean, I just had Ryan Smith. Thank you. Kudos. And I'm doing a shout out to you because I, I really appreciate what you're doing for me. 
my client by giving me access to properties before they even hit the market, right? And of course, I reached out to Scott Newman, can't stand you, he knows I love him, but you know, we work all the time and it's easier for us to be able to help facilitate inventory for our clients. Those are some of the things that you should be looking for when hiring a realtor, because right now, it's really hard to find inventory. Get friendly with your realtors that have more experience. I, I get agents reaching out to me all the time. I'm not like, about hey, getting friendly, this. but okay. Yeah, I mean, like, be friends with everybody. <laughs> I'll, I'll go back to, like, you know, you guys said I was the president of the YPN. One of our biggest missions is to get realtors around one another so they get comfortable, they know each other, and they work cohesively together to make this an easier industry for all of us. And, yeah, hey, I see Ryan Smith is uh, watching. What's up, Ryan Smith? Ryan we all love Smith, Smith R.E.O. Hey, Ryan. Thank you so much at heart. You really, really do appreciate what you're doing. He's the man. He's the man. Let's get more on that Nitro question. We got to come back to that, man. The Nitro question was, what's the number one thing most agents forget to do when listing multifamily properties? What you got for us, Mo? Nitro question answer. Not breaking down the expenses properly. Listen, when you're putting your stuff in there and you have the rental amounts, taxes popular taxes are easy to find. Mm-hmm. Put in all of the expenses, put in the insurance cost, put in the cost of utilities if your landlord is paying it. So whoever's buying it can get a realistic idea of whether or not the net operating income is correct. Don't get lazy when you're putting your listings in there and not list the actual expenses. It drives me insane. Oh. I love it. So you're advising to do a net sheet so that sellers yes. understand exactly. One of the other things that I think it's imperative to Mo is um, pulling title and understanding the zoning of each property. I had a client who actually, um, uh, well, I negotiated on behalf of a client and I bought a property and we were buying a three flat. It was actually turned out to be a four flat. So, of course, we got it for a really good deal because the selling, selling listing agent didn't understand that it was a four flat. So always pull zoning. And I know that Graco in the past, you and I have had deals where it was so difficult for us to get financing without understanding the intricacies of the actual zoning, correct? Yep. You got to make sure that that zoning's early on. Your attorney, that drives somebody, somebody does that due diligence that or your agent. Nuts. Assure that that property legitimately is a multi-unit. Mm-hmm. You, you got to order a zoning cert. Sometimes it takes a while, but what really stinks sometimes is attorneys will wait till the eleventh hour to order that, and you guys are getting ready to close. And what was supposed to be a three-unit comes back legally zoned as a two-unit, and then for lending purposes, now you guys are totally mm-hmm. goofed up, and the deal dies. Super yeah, easy no, though. You can nightmare. always call the building department here in the city. Real quick, they'll tell you over the phone what it's zoned at. So. I know it takes a while to you get the zoning You must have insert. a charming voice or something. I call them. <laughs> it's Greco. Like, yeah. He knows everybody. They're like, hello. He knows charming. somebody. <laughs> what you want? Greco, why don't we move into the news? Yeah, we're running out of time here, guys. So, uh, again, homeowners, if you are looking to sell your home in 2018, it's very important that you do so. My five top reasons why. Number one, rates are going up historically. They're pretty low right now. So the idea is, or they're, they're gauging that the rates are going to hit 5% by the end of 2018. So... Take advantage of low interest rates. Number two, inventory still remains tight. Demand is high. We all know that there's more buyers on the sidelines right now than there actually are homes to sell. So uh, that's something to consider. Number three, prices are going to continue to increase. We're seeing 3 to 5% right now in our market annually. So it's better to purchase a, a home today at a cheaper price. Number four, people have more money in their pocket. What that means is unemployment rates are down. The stock market is doing great. All the markets are actually doing great. Except cryptocurrency. I'm getting killed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully it'll bounce back. And number five, millennials will be ready to commit this calendar year. 43% of the home buyers in 2018 are predicted to be millennials. 
So you realtors out there, professionals, make sure you cater to this market because they're going to be a big part of our buyers in the industry today. So you Love forgot it. Mo, six. you're going to tell me what uh, coin you're actually buying. I, <laughs> oh, just keep you don't want to buy what we, I bought. We, we're good with real estate. We can advise that. But <laughs> we're going to have another show. Here, have another yeah. show anybody here should be doing anything about crypto, nothing. <laughs> That's no, stay show. away well, from Well, as it. we're wrapping up our show, I do want to go around the round table and last, um, go ahead and answer this question. I want each and every one of you answer. You have five minutes or less. We three, no three, two minutes. minutes? We have two five minutes. minutes. Okay, two minutes. Um, with, again, record low inventory, what is your biggest advice for an investor? What is the... Um, the most, I guess, lucrative investment that you'd recommend this year, um, Mo? Two to four unit multifamily buildings. You can get residential financing on them. And over the long period of time, listen, if rates go up, property values come down, as long as you have good tenants in there, you can wait out a bad market. Every market that goes down must come back up again. So two to four unit multifamilies are my favorite that's what I would say. Bye. And I think we can all echo that and say that's true. But can you yeah. give us another advice just so that we can look, you know, look at it? From that would a be my number one go to two to four units. But any property today, if you buy it right and you're able to rent it out at a good price, you're going to yield a good return regardless. So the idea is just to make sure you buy that property right and invest. Nick. Oh man, there aren't too many left. There's nothing. <laughs> I mean, I would, I, you know, when somebody takes. The main answer is really hard to kind of give another one to it, but I think I'm going to stick with what I always, you know, two to four units is the way to go. If you're do, doing an investment, it's an investment. But I, you know, all of it, even when you're buying a home, I want to give somebody the advice that, you know, when we talked earlier about houses need to be already ready and turn key and I don't want to do the work and all that stuff, you need to also remember this is an investment, even as a, as a homeowner. Yeah, you're going to move your family in there, but you need to just. Make sure that if you have an opportunity to create that and make it a better investment by putting in some elbow grease, that might be the best way to actually make money in the market. And I'm going to speak to the clients who are actually families that are going to be using the property mm-hmm. and they're going to be owner occupants. I want to advise, um, you know, because I've done renovations and I know what it's like to flip and rehab properties and get a higher um, appraised value after properties fixed. I want to invite you, encourage you with what Nick said. If you're buying property, look into those distressed homes. Go ahead and compete with the investors who are paying cash for those homes. But just understand that it's not that difficult to paint a, you know, a house, change the ki- kitchen and modify that bathroom bathroom and it's going to allow you to be in the neighborhoods that you want to live in, the zip codes that you want to be in, and the schools that you want to send your children. And so don't look the other way when you see something that needs work. I guess that's my advice. You guys are going with multi-units. I'm going with single family. And of course, real estate is an appreciating asset. So over time, everything appreciates is way better than renting despite the rates and the lack of inventory. And speaking of appreciation, we need to start... Thanking everybody that sponsored the show today. We're going to start with Elizabeth Fusino of Allstate, Dennis, Denise Edenhofer, and I hope I said that right, with Fidelity National Home Warranty, Joanna Diaz with Credit Rx, Mike Randick and Carmen Carbonara of Stewart Title, Tamika Scott with Money Matters Financial, and last but not least, most importantly, Main Street Realty Group. <laughs> The man himself, Mo YPN Dodka. president. YPN. I don't even have enough time Dodka to give Law. all your accolades. And <laughs> Mo Dodka of Main Street and, of course, the Dodka Law Group. Thanks again for all um, being big sponsors of the show. You're welcome.
Love so, it. It's a wrap. Look we're, at that. We're not wrapped up yet. 2018, February 1st. We <clears> did it. Our website is brand new and fresh. <laughs> www.marketoverdrive.com. Check it out the website. It is still having its kinks worked out, but it looks different. That's for damn Just sure. Just like your hair. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, she got that in. <laughs> Carla made a funny. I had to laugh at the <laughs> All right. nor laughing on the show anymore, Carla. She dropped the mic that she can't she actually the drop. Mic. She dropped She it. couldn't even <laughs> reach it. Wait so that's close. a whole other story. I totally reach it. You can also go to our YouTube channel and get all of our shows. You can, last but not least, subscribe to the WGM podcast where you'll see the show on WGN. Facebook forward slash Market Overdrive. God, I'm so tired of everybody here. This show is over with. We'll see you next Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Peace.